Hey, this is Steve Balton. You are tuned into My Turning Point with special guests Ali and AJ. Really love talking with the two of them about their first album in 14 years, how living in the canyons here in LA influenced them, why making new music after so long feels like a bit of a creative rebirth, and much more. Hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did because it was a really a blast to talk with them. So where are you guys today? Where is home base these days? We're in Laurel Canyon, Los Angeles, California. Nice. All right. I love Laurel Canyon. I grew up all over the valley, so I know it very well. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah, we grew up in the valley and then ended up both in the canyon, like just across the way from each other. So we're super close. All right. Where in the valley? Like what parts? Uh, Calabasas, Westlake. Yeah, there's a lot of artists who live in Calabasas still these days. It's funny because I'm now in Long Beach and that's the end of the fucking world to me. That's so far away. <laughs> right, right. Long Beach. It really is. Yeah, we were in Calabasas when um, Calabasas was not like a, a cool place to live and the Kardashians weren't quite like, <laughs> they hadn't put it on the map. They hadn't taken over yet with Kanye. I'm not going to lie. It was probably cooler to me when the Kardashians were not there, but you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We agree with this sentiment. I agree. So, but it's interesting. Let's, uh, you know, we're going to come on to your turning point moment in a second, but, you know, this is what's fascinating to me. Sorry, by the way, because it's lunchtime and I'm just like munching on something because I just did a workout. But what okay. I was going to say is, you know, the Canyons have such a deep, deep, deep musical history. Yes. I mean, especially Laurel Canyon, where Joni was and the Doors and Warren Zevon and all of that. So like when you're there, do you feel the spirit of the Canyon? Do you feel like the ladies of the Canyon? <laughs> Very much so. I mean, we refer to ourselves as that. It's funny because like Haim kind of coined the like Sisters of the Valley and we're like, all right, we'll take Sisters we'll take of the Canyon. The canyon instead. Um, but it's funny, Allie and I lived here together before she got married um, off Kirkwood on this little street called Weep Away. And hilariously enough, a big turning point for us was making a movie centered around that time in our lives. We were like, we're in Laurel Canyon. We're in an incredibly creative, artful neighborhood. We need to kind of honor this moment. We're not going to be here forever. You know, we just left our parents' homes. We're living together for the first time as like adults kind of entering our, our 20s. Let's make a film. And so, you know, we, we ended up hiring um, a bunch of close friends. We raised all the money ourselves. Allie's then boyfriend, who's now her husband, um, ended up shooting it. He wrote it and directed it. And it was all just taking place in Laurel Canyon in this small little home. We shot it in the home. It's about kind of our lives as sisters. And that was kind of a huge moment where we realized, oh, there's a lot of art to be made here. Yeah. And now and here we, we are. Just, and that we just loved the, like the, the nature aspect of Laurel mm-hmm. Canyon and how... Um, it doesn't feel like the city. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're in Los Angeles, but you're still close to everything. And, you know, we can get to meetings easily and we can get to all of the, you know, lots and, and such. So, um, but it's sweet. Cause there's this, you know, community at the hub of it where you have the Laurel Canyon country market and every year they take the like big neighborhood photo and you have Pache and the dry cleaners that we've been going to for years. And like, it is very much a little community. It's very small, but it's very poignant for Allie and I. And, and now, you know, not only have we made a movie here, but we've made our first record here in, you know, 15 years. And now we're back in the Canyon living next door to each other. Nice. Okay. So you got married, but you're still there. Yeah. 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 It's such an interesting thing too, because like I said, there's such a history there, but it's so funny because it's like, I ask about the, how the environment, you know, affects, cause I mean, you talk with every artist and environment affects writing and location. And mm-hmm. it's like, what, what's the first single from this record or at least the first track pretty places mm-hmm. where it's like, you talk about the pretty places that make you happy. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm yeah. imagining that Laurel Canyon is one of those places. It, it is. is. Yeah. It's a pretty place for us. And for it's, sure. it's interesting because it's not like, <clears throat> it's not a place for everyone either. You know, it's a very specific type of person um, that enjoys living in the canyon. You know, your car is, is usually covered in leaves and your backyard is not necessarily covered in eucalyptus. Yeah. And it's not <laughs> flat, you know, you usually have some kind of a funky hill or, you know, you're kind of set into a, into a lot in an interesting way. So you're lucky if you're on a concrete slab, you're probably not, you know, yeah. it's like, there's just so many kind of quirks to the mm-hmm. Canyon. Yeah. Sometimes you're not, you're not linked up to the sewer system. So you're, You've got kind of an interesting situation with that. We got lucky there. We got both got lucky <laughs> in, in that. But um, yeah, and, and also just like some of the, the people that live here have also been here for many, many years. So they like things to be done a certain way. So there's some, you know, there's just some really interesting characters that you meet too as neighbors, as, as mm-hmm. a community. And um, we just find it to be really charming. So it's so interesting coming on to the turning point moment as well in terms of, you know, I talk about this with so many artists as well. I mean, you know, I guess the sort of obvious turning point was uh, for you, when did you realize that you were ready to make another album after what? It's been 13 years, 14 years. Yeah, 14. 14. Um, For me, it was when we were making the Sanctuary EP. Um, You know, we were really, really inundated with our work with Eve Rothman, who was producing part of that EP. And we all kind of had this like come to Jesus moment of like, okay, guys, like we're all three going to probably make an album together and it's going to be great. And like, let's start talking about it now. Yeah. What does that exactly consist of? And yeah. What, what does that of, look like for you guys? What kind of a record do we want to actually make? So we started kind of daydreaming about it with him back then. And then I would say when we got off the road from touring um, in 2019 in the summer, we did some sessions with Eve early on and we were kind of dusting up songs like Pretty Places um, and a a song called Way, Way Back and looking at some of the songs that were just kind of floating around in our catalog that we hadn't yet released or that we were looking to release. And he was like, well, I really think that we should, you know, get you guys um, writing with other people outside of just the three of us. If you guys can find somebody else that you really gel with. And I think we start making this record when AJ's wrapped in 2020 uh, around April. And, you know, we'll, we'll start making this album and we're going to try to kind of shoot for this kind of Americana vibe that is a, is, is a bit of a shift from the music that we've done. I mean, I I do feel like there's a little bit of coming back to our roots in a sense, Mm -hmm. but I also feel like, we're just more confident in the music that we're making and the messaging behind it and just kind of not giving a fuck about writing for radio or, or writing for uh, a specific genre. We just kind of wanted to make music that we felt really good about, that we were proud about and about things that were not only important to us, but important to the fan base. So obviously the pandemic happened. AJ's show ended up wrapping earlier than April. It wrapped like end of March because of everything getting shut down. And then we took kind of April and May to work out um, some of the demo tracks that we had delivered to Eve at the beginning of the year. And, um, and then from that point on, we started really diving into these songs and, and forming a really great basis for us to be able to sing Mm -hmm. vocals on. And then, you know, we got in the studio at sunset sound and cut it. 
It's so interesting too, because when you go through making a record, I talk about this to people all the time, right? When you make a record, you're immersed in it. You don't really sort of get the the depth of it. And it's funny because for some people that takes longer than other. I was interviewing Ani DeFranco not long ago, who's amazing. And I was like, well, tell me about the new record. You know, like, did you hear any through lines? So she's like, I don't fucking know. She's like, ask me in 20 or 30 years. But some people, you know, you sort of pick up on it right away. So for you guys, as you go through and listen to this now as a completed work, you know, are there things that you hear in there that surprise you or that you say originally kind of set out to be an Americana thing, but it's obviously Americana with like touch of Beach Boys. It's so upbeat and happy and sort of, I mean, maybe like a sort of like Jayhawks Wilco, like that era of like just the really jangly, happy sort of stuff. And obviously, you know, reflecting the title, like touch of the beat gets you up on your feet, gets you out and then into the sun, which, you know, uh, I feel like there's no way that I'm going to remember that without looking at it. I'm not going to lie. Mm, that's, but, a, you know, for, that's fair. For you guys, as you were making, I mean, at least it's not the Fiona Apple album title. And I adore Fiona, one of my favorite artists in the world. But, you know, it's not a whole paragraph. Right, so, but right. for you guys, as you're making this record, were there things that emerged that really sort of surprised you, like in a pleasant way where you're like, okay. Because like you say, too, you're so much more confident now. You, you know, making music from when you were, I don't know how old you are now exactly, but from 14 years to today, you're a whole different person, both of you. Yeah, which, which is, <clears throat> can sometimes be hard to describe and explain to people, but, you know, you just nailed it. It's like, we are whole different people. You know, yes, there's still the essence of, uh, Allie, and of Allie and AJ in there because it's just who we are as humans, but we've experienced so much more when it comes to just being out on the road and living life and not, you know, writing music in our family home anymore. You know, we now own our own places and we're, functioning adults. Um, so I think that, you know, our, our perspective has completely shifted from when we were 14 and 16 and we were just writing about things that were either happening to us at the time, or we were writing about love that we had yet to experience. So, um, I, I mean, I, I feel like you, what you were saying with the title, uh, is kind of a perfect explanation of, we always thought that that title really fit the album and that, you know, when we started describing what this record was supposed to feel like, those lyrics came to mind from a song called Don't Need Nothing. And it felt like a complete no-brainer for the record to be called that. But now looking back on it, um, and that was kind of in June when we decided yeah. the, the album title. Feels even more it right. It feels even more right because I'm like, well, yeah, people are finally getting out and into the sun and into life and into just being a normal human again. And I, if this record can capture some mm. bit of that, then we've really done our job. Well, it's also interesting, too, that you say taking it back to your roots, because it's funny. I think for people, too, as you get older, right, there's, I talked about this with so many artists, and it's like, you know, if you have early success, right, there's, there's kind of cycles that you go through in life where you're a kid and you get turned on to stuff by your parents and your family and all that stuff, right? And then you sort of find your own voice and you try and stay far away from that because you're trying to create your own identity. And then yeah. as you get older and more comfortable with yourself, you start to realize, like, oh shit, listening to my parents' Temptations record or Jayhawks or whatever it was, or, you know, and was kind of cool. So it's interesting for you guys, were there things that you went back to musically that you found kind of surprised you as well that maybe you hadn't thought about in a while, but you're like, oh, okay, this record really stuck with me. And now it's like, you can hear it in whatever song is on the record, you know? Yeah. Oh, for, for sure. For sure. <clears throat> I mean, I think for us, a lot of the kind of going back to the roots. Our, the roots was um, going back to just writing songs on the guitar uh, on an acoustic. Um, I think that was a big that was a big thing for us, and not 
writing to like a loop of music or, uh, you know, a little beat that had been created. Um, so I think that was a, a, a big thing mm-hmm. for us. And, and also I think just going back to trying to get the best like vocal performance from the two of us, whether that was, you know, one of us singing or the two of us singing together and harmonizing, or, you know, there's a lot of octaves on the record, which I always think is interesting. Um, so sometimes it's like us singing a chorus and I'm just singing a lower octave than AJ. But I think a lot of it had to do with trying to get really authentic performances and not perfecting them too much. You know, there's like this uh, fixation in pop music, especially to get like the absolute perfect vocal and then it gets tuned and it gets mm-hmm. processed and, and it's fine. Like I, there's definitely pop songs that I enjoy that I know are processed to the ends of the earth, but we really didn't want to do that with this. And even though sometimes you're tempted to want to perfect that vocal a little bit and it's like a little bit under, or, you know, that like end of that line seems a little like wobbly and you just go, well, maybe it's actually kind of good that way. And maybe just leaving it, in its raw form is better than trying to make it seem perfect. Yeah. This record just feels like there are raw edges to it. It doesn't feel like super sparkly pop, which the last two EPs we made a lot of it Were, was yeah. electronic eighties inspired pop, which I love that kind of music. Mm-hmm. That's where we felt most comfortable in that moment when we were writing and now it's changed. I mean, when you were talking about like a through line for the record, I think the coolest thing about this current record is that it was all played live in a live space with, four musicians at a time. Mm -hmm. And for Allie and I to visit a studio like Sunset Sound, which a lot of records we listened to in the past and currently have been made out of there, performing in that room and in a live band room with four or five musicians at one time, there's something it does to the record that brings such a life and an energy that next thing you know, you're recording vocals onto live instrumentation and you're singing differently than if you had been not recording that. And and like the past records that we did, you know, with Into the Rush and Insomniatic, those records were made with live musicians, but they weren't all cutting at the same time. So it was kind of like, you know, Tim Pierce would come in and lay down guitar, you know, Sean Hurley would come in and lay down bass. So it was, it was kind of elevating that to another level of, okay, we're not just bringing guys in one at a time. We're having them all perform at one, in one moment, which will maybe inspire them to kind of go off the book a little bit and improvise and, Mm -hmm. and either we love it or we pull it, pull it back and rein it in. It just felt good to go back to that kind of record making. Well, I mean, there's so many directions to go on with that. I love what you were talking about too, with the, the sort of leaving in the mistakes. Cause I got to interview Daniel Lanois, who, you know, is one of the greatest producers of all time. And he was talking about, you know, when you're making a record, what do you call those happy accidents? Those moments where, you know, and what you're talking about, like basically where you do something and it kind of just, you know, unfurls itself. And it, it, you know, like maybe that mistake becomes sort of the perfect moment. Yeah. And again, if you're trying to auto-tune everything and make everything perfect, you never find those happy accidents. So for you guys then, you know, with the idea of being comfortable with like, okay, we're going to leave the raw edges in, as you put it, when you go back and listen to this record now, are there sort of favorite happy accidents for you on there? Moments that you hear like, okay, you know, in past we wouldn't have left that on there, but now mm-hmm. we hear this vocal part, you know, or we hear this lyric or whatever. And it's like, all right, we really, you know, like it sort of unfurls itself to you. Definitely. I mean, I, it's hard to pick out a specific moment right now, but but we've been working out all these songs in a live setting and getting all the stems from the from the mixer. Mm-hmm. We're now able to hear everything, you know, from solo, a stripped down yeah. solo perspective where you're getting the instrumental, you're hearing vocals on its own, you're hearing 
music pieces, music instruments on their own. The instrumental of some of these songs is what I find really fascinating. I would love to almost put out the whole record with no vocals because it's just so rich and there's just so much, so much depth from what the players are bringing. Um, that it's kind of, I am now as we review these songs and start getting them ready for a live element, I'm now hearing things that I didn't necessarily clock before because I'm hearing them in kind of these soloed ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's interesting. This maybe wasn't a happy accident completely, but I remember we were writing um, Hold Out, which is really the main ballad of, of the record. And um, in, in, in the writing session, I, I had started the song with um, with Eve, our producer, and another co-writer, Johnny Newman. And AJ came in on like day two. But when we officially started writing that chorus, um, it didn't have kind of that like, uh, it didn't have that round where it kind of, uh, mm. it, it's like there's a lot of overlapping lines. And for some reason, I think Eve had made, he was kind of trying to mess around with the chorus. And he kind of, had something like overlapping and then it brought this idea of like, well, wait, hold on, leave that. That's kind of cool how that is overlapping as the other line is going. And then, so then we just made it as the official mm-hmm. melody, which was really cool, but it's like a perfect example. Catch me, we hold catch our yeah. yeah. So it kind of like, it keeps going and going and going. And it's funny cause it's almost impossible to sing live, but you know, we almost need a third person, <laughs> um, but we've kind of worked it out where we can actually sing it all. Um, but that's a perfect example of like just kind of letting these accidents happen mm-hmm. and then hearing it, recognizing that maybe that's actually really great. And that's not something you normally would have done. I mean, another example of, you know, doing things that we probably wouldn't have done in the past. A lot of these songs are a lot longer songs than they uh, normally would have been on a Alan AJ record. We and just, they're not even that long. Yeah. They're not, yeah, they're, they're not, they're not 10 minute, you know, songs, but but having like a five and a half minute song on a record of ours is like an eternity, you know, for, for most music listeners. And um, we were listening even to a song called Stomach the other day, which uh, we're, we're working out right now with our band. And we were kind of laughing because, uh, no, wait, it wasn't Stomach. It's, it's uh, Way, way, way back. back. And we were laughing because we after the fact would have actually loved to have extended that song by like another few bars mm-hmm. going into the bridge. And Which like, we'll do live. We'll do it live. We'll but I'm like, like, it's ah. just funny how, you know, some things you also just have to sit with for a while. And I was like, dang it. I would have added like another four bars before the bridge. I was like, that's ah, okay. We'll do it live. Um, but <laughs> those kinds of little things that, that start to expose themselves to you, the longer you listen to the, to the music. I also mm-hmm. think that you don't want to listen too long because you also might get, over the song or you get tired of it when really the song might be actually perfectly wonderful the way that it is. So I think there's that happy medium of not beating it to death as a song and letting it have its life, but also trying to make sure that you've spent the most time you can perfecting it Mm -hmm. and then just leaving it. Well, it's so funny that you say that though, because as an artist, when you say you spend the most time trying to perfect, every artist is a perfectionist. So at some point you like, you know, you're never quite satisfied so figuring out where to let it go. So for you guys, that's interesting on this record then. How important was it to have Eve as a producer or the other writers you work with to sort of balance that out? Because again, I say this as someone who has literally just in the last year interviewed hundreds, if not thousands of artists. And it's like every artist is like, all right, well, we could do this better. We could do this better. Like we could do, you know, mm-hmm. it's the nature of the artist. Well, it's funny because me and AJ get in, not, you know, fights, but 
discussions where I'm wanting to maybe recut a vocal and AJ is like, are you kidding me? Like, no, this is great. Yeah. What are you, what are you hearing? I was more of the proponent on this album where it's like, sorry, but we, we are keeping some of the vocals more raw. And, and yeah. by the way, I want to push that even further on the next one. Um, yeah. I, I would love to just be in there and, you know, probably beat the, the melody or I mean the, you know, vocal performance again and again and again until it's absolutely perfect. And AJ is like, stop, like it, <laughs> it's great, you know? Um, but I think we have a good meter of, of knowing when it's kind of good to stop. And I think, um, I don't know, we've never really been obsessed with wanting to hold something to this like unapproachable level. You know, we, we want it to be, we want it to be able to flow out of us easily. And if it's not, we kind of know that it's wrong just from the start. And then it's kind of like, let's abandon ship now. Yeah, it's weird. Like, yes, we are perfectionists. And yes, I think every musician deals with this idea of like, oh, hold on to it, hold on to it mm-hmm. until it's perfect. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that's unachievable. And so much of what you put out as an actor comes out no matter what. Like, you don't have any say. You don't have any say. And you're saying it for the first time at the premiere. And you're like, uh, did, was I okay with any of this? Like, oh, I wish <laughs> they wouldn't have used that take. Yeah. So in a way, it's like being an actor has made us a little bit more free as musicians because... Mm-hmm. It is what it is at that point. It's like, it might not be perfect, but like, this is what we created. I'm really happy with it. You know, the album I listen to constantly and I love it more and more every day. And now that we're playing it live with our band, I'm like, wow, these songs really make sense. Well, and I think there's ways that we can always improve it live, you know? So if it, if over time, you know, we look at the production, you're like, oh, okay, maybe I would have changed that one thing here or there. You have the live element. You have the live element then to at least be able to, uh, to change it into. And I think that's at least something that you can kind of walk away with and have some solace with because there's always going to be something you want to change. I'm sure if you yeah. talk to a painter and they had this masterpiece, they'd be like, oh, I would have changed that one thing or it's just who we are. All right. Well, a couple of directions to go with that. One, I do have to ask favorite long song for each of you. What's like, it's funny. What's, what's the favorite 10 minute Epic song? Oh, that's, I mean, honestly, I, I I love the Dylan song that he put out. Um, I I think that's that, that record is absolutely incredible. And I was kind of disappointed that that wasn't even nominated. Although Dylan's probably like, who gives a shit about Grammys, but yeah, he's not (laughs) anymore, but, um, yeah. Once you've won a Nobel prize for literature, it's like, do you really care about a Grammy anymore? Yeah, 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 exactly. Probably not. Um, Um, also there's some, I'm trying to think what, what really long national song there is. Um, we really love them as a band. I mean, usually they end up, you know, quadrupling their, their songs live. So I, I'm always interested in, in that. Um, but, but for us, Stephen, what's a great 10 minute song you love that like Ali and I listen to? Uh, that, the one on the nationals in record that got in Kansas. Oh yeah. 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 That's it. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's half, half my, my fault. So half forgive me. me. And also, uh, Sufjan Stevens, his latest record, not, not the one about, um, his parent, yes, but the new, one the Americana one. or whatever it's called, or American or uh, I'll look that up. single that came out last year during the pandemic. I think that song is insane. It's so good. Uh, it's interesting though that you mentioned the National, who are one of my favorite bands in the world. I've interviewed Matt so many times, and it's like, but you mentioned about the live stuff too. For you guys, as we're talking about the live unfurling of these songs, are there shows or examples you think of that really inspire you when it comes to the idea of like, okay, cool, you can go in and you know. Like, I mean, are there favorite shows you've seen of that, you know, I don't want to use the term jam bands because I can't stand jam bands, but like artists who go and like, they'll, you know, just they'll stress songs out like 20 minutes or 15 minutes or just totally change, you know? 
Um, oh, sorry, we found the song. It was America. So Adrian's America. Uh, I called it America. It's 12 and a half minutes. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. AJ uh, and my husband went and saw War on Drugs, and I was very jealous. I think I was out of town. I have no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I was sleeping. Um, but they said that that show was incredible. And I don't like jam bands either, but, but in a way, they could like jam for hours. And, and you were like, into it. Totally yeah. engaged. It just I mean, works. The they, they extend like all the endings of their songs. They also play a lot of their songs different than the record, which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting. I mean, we love the national. We've been to a ton of their shows. Um, Sufjan, Ray LaMontagne. Ray, I think Ray We connect with a lot of male Yeah, a, a lot of male musicians. So, honestly, one of my favorite shows that I've seen live that was uh, a, you know, a female artist was Feist. I saw her in Vancouver um, and it was during uh, that latest record pleasure and I thought she was unreal live like mm-hmm. I was kind of I felt like I I knew who she was as an artist because I knew her songs but I didn't really know her artistry that deep and uh I was just like wow she can really play and she has an insane voice and just it 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 was it was a brilliant show it was quite intimate it was like maybe a not even 2000 seater type venue oh yeah that was at the Vogue right yeah all right, so for you guys, it's funny because, I mean, obviously you've had so much tour- touring experience. I can't talk today, but that's all right. But for you guys, when you think ahead to touring this record live, well, one question, first of all, I mean, is you've started to rehearse the songs because as we talk about too, right, the songs change. They, they reveal themselves in different ways. And especially too, when you get to play them in front of an audience because the audience brings their own interpretations to the songs. So they're ones that you are particularly excited to do in front of an audience and see how they respond to them and how the songs change. Yeah, very much so. I mean, Pretty Places right now is kind of my number one in terms of just the way it translates live. It's it's so refreshing and it's also so like, there's something about it with the band. We kind of start the set with that song at the moment and we also start the album with that song and it just feels like, all right, it's such a release. It's like, here we are, this is our band. It just feels like a perfect representation of what they're going to hear for an hour and a half. Um, but I'm trying to think of another moment that really... I mean, I feel like break yourself yeah break yourself feels really good live so does paradise like they're kind of these moments in in the set where you just feel like this is an escape for people especially mm-hmm. after not experiencing live music for the past paradise year. feels like it's definitely um reworked from the the yeah the from the record yeah um well and also you know we're trying to put in as many uh you know live elements as possible so obviously you know we'd have to have 20 people on stage doing every single part. But, you know, if you're running like a little, you know, small synth pad, you know, throughout the track or whatever, those things start to become more prominent or less prominent, you know, depending on if I'm playing that part and our keyboardist is playing another part on top of that. And you're kind of layering all these, these parts together. And then you're thinking of like new things that you're adding where you're like, well, there isn't another guitar part in there, but like AJ can obviously play this Mm -hmm. like cool part on the chorus and then maybe it like comes out and it's just me singing the vocal and then I'm not playing again you know so you find these like little ebbs and flows that go throughout the show and I think it's really fun um the goal one day is to bring out like you know a live string section and you know a sax player and other instruments that we use to fill out the record that we just can't we're not we're not there yet financially but we'll get there yeah it's funny though, when you get to that, I mean, it's because, you know, obviously we've mentioned Nashville a couple of times. I remember for the new album, what they did was they did a series of shows in like four cities, but then yeah. everybody who played on the record, did you go so to that in LA? Yes. So yes. cool. Yeah, we did. So good. 
So it's funny exactly. for you guys. I mean, and especially now it's interesting because, you know, while we're getting close to the return of live music, obviously people are still doing live streams and we're not quite there yet. So would there be opportunity to do like the one-off live stream where you just do the album start to finish? Funny you, Funny say you ask. We're doing that. Um, so we're putting together a start to finish. It'll be in order of the record as well as the bonus tracks, which we have four deluxe songs that are going to come out later this year. Um, and we're going to play the entire record front to back live from the Ace Theater. Downtown. It was actually a very big discussion with uh, our management about if we were playing just the record, if we were adding in old songs from the past and me and AJ were like, no, this is only the new album. Like, I'm sorry for one night, everybody needs to just listen to the record in sequence. <laughs> it's the day of the release, like no potential breakup song, no take me, no rush, no, no one like love you guys. You'll see it out on the road, but like, we want to honor this record in order. And, you and know, we'll be doing it from like, our personal favorite venue in Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah, so which makes it extra special. And, and honestly, special. a lot of the people, funny enough, like you were saying with the national that played on the record, will be playing with us on stage live. So our, our bass player, Thomas, he played on quite a few songs on the record. Ben, our drummer played drums and keys and guitar. He plays like a million instruments. Sax. Um, we'll bring out a sax, sax who did all the sax parts in slow dancing and, uh, break yourself. Uh, break yourself. And so that's kind of cool that we get to also incorporate some of the guys that actually lent, you know, their talents to the record. And so you're really hearing that, those parts from them. Interesting. So how much it's funny, like now, you know, as you get to be able to get close to that and doing the whole thing, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting going back to the through line of the record. Do you see, as you start to rehearse it from start to finish live, do you see other three lines come through or do you see things come through? Or like, you know, lyrically, do you also see things come through? I mean, is it, you know, because now you're, you're doing it live. I cannot talk to them, so Brenda, but you're doing it live from start to finish as well. So you're revisiting the sequence in multiple ways. You're not just revisiting it, listening to the album again and again, yeah. but doing it live start to finish. You know, you are hearing the whole thing go through this journey from Pretty Places yeah. all the way through Holdout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It, it kind of made me feel even more secure about the order that we chose. Once we started playing it, I was like, damn, we nailed this sequence. How the fuck did we do that? <laughs> uh, because it's really hard, I think. And it was something that we were kind of putting off, to be completely honest, because um, we, we, were knew, scared. we knew how important it was. And we were like, we did the hard part, which was really writing the songs, you know, and then I feel like all the other things kind of fall into place. But uh, our, with the help of our producer and really AJ and Steven, they were kind of the three that helped with the sequence. I was like out running an errand one day and I came I back and Steven's laughing. He's going, I didn't do any of it. <laughs> no, he did. Um, but I, I was out running errands. I came home and they were like, we have the sequence. And I was like, what? And Cause we knew like, if we don't do this now. Yeah. And we listened, I switched one song. Right. Yeah. And then there was one more edit where we switched like two songs around and then that was the official thing. So it took like really three, three little three passes. passes. And then we were like, that's it. And originally we didn't end on holdout. We had originally ended on what? Paradise. Paradise. Yeah. Which we were ending. like, this is not right. To end yeah. Um, and we also kind of chose to put like paradise and symptom. I think they're kind of close mm-hmm. together. Those are kind of the most pop cuts on the record. Um, when it comes to, just the songs and also the original demos. Um, and so we wanted them to kind of float near each other because they kind of are, are like a, a really good pairing. 
Um, they were also co-written with the same writer, George Albrecht, who we really adore. And um, they were leaning a little bit more 80s synth. And so we kind of stripped that back and, and tried to get as much like guitar out of those songs as we could without changing the integrity of the song, because you also kind of want to honor the song in the way that it should be produced and played. Mm. So we kind of just said, okay, sentiment or touch is a little bit more pop, pop and let's just let it be that way. And um, I think those songs will, will perform live really well. All right, so we'll wrap up in a minute. It's like two more questions. But, you know, one thing I think that's interesting too is, is you know, I talk about this with artists all the time too. When you get a break from everything, you kind of appreciate it more. Do you find now that making this record, you're enjoying it much more? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like a, it just feels refreshing. Like we did take, you know, a break from releasing music. We never took a break from making music. We always were making music. We were writing, we were working on our vocals. <laughs> You know, we were constantly singing. Music was a huge part of our lives for years. But I do feel like in some ways, you know, after we put out 10 years, after we put out Sanctuary, like those felt really wonderful. But we were also like, all right, it's time to make a full record. And we're doing this. Mm -hmm. And I think had we made one the year before or the year before that, this wouldn't feel the way it feels now. This feels like the record we were born to make. It kind of feels like the first one out the gate. It feels fresh. It feels new. It feels like Allie and I have found our sound, our niche. It feels like we weren't thinking too hard on this record, but we also were putting a lot of thought into making sure that these lyrics felt mm -hmm. really solid. That was kind of like one thing that I am really glad Eve came down on us with in terms of just cracking the whip on, on, on lyrics. I mean, I, I, I've always thought that our lyrics were good, but I don't think that we're like the most prolific you know, lyricists. So sometimes those are like the missing elements, you know, melody comes like super easy to age. And I, so usually we kind of run all the writing sessions with like the, the melody in mind. And <clears throat> so a lot of the, the songs just needed kind of like a, a little dust up on lyrics and Eve would kind of go back to certain songs again and again. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I don't know any other word that will work in this space or that will rhyme with <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, and then um, you end up beating it. And then you end up beating it and you're like, oh, that was just, that was painful, but wow, we, we did it. Um, and, and so I, I think it was actually worth like scrutinizing over the lyrics um, more than we ever have in the past. And also not overwriting. You know, we didn't write like 50 songs to come no. to these 16. We wrote like 25 songs to come to the 16, which I kind of like because it means that we're, we're hitting at a higher batting average than we have in the past. Meaning, you know, most of the songs are actually good and they're not just throwaway. It's right, so a super obvious question, but for each of you then going back and revisiting the lyrics, when you look at that one moment that Eve made you do, for each of you then a favorite lyric that you're like, okay, we never would have done this before, mm -hmm. but now you go back and you're like, all right, I'm really proud of that one. I think I have my song. I think so too. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious if we have the same. So, Interesting enough, this song is a, a song that was written about four and a half years ago. It was started with uh, a writer, Ryan Spraker. Way, way back. Yeah. Yeah. Is yours the same? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, and we, we started it with him and it was kind of about, like, it was like a sister song, which is funny. And it was kind of about our relationship and just remembering, like, you know, driving to auditions together and just being attached to the hip and all the like little moments that we had. It was originally called minivan. It was originally it was called about, minivan. Like, Allie and I's relationship inside this minivan and like 
car we grew up in. Yeah. Basically. And we started playing it for people and they were like, you know, I like these melodies, but they're like, some of these lyrics are weird. And I think it was just too like, we love each other and we're sisters. It was and, too dreamy and silly. Yeah. And so then, you know, we played it to Eve and he was like, change these lyrics. But like some of these melodies are great. And we were like, okay. So we started shifting around the meaning of the entire song. And it basically went from being this sister song to being this, which was always referring to like, I want to go way, way back into the past of like who we were as mm-hmm. kids with you. And it's now not that. And it's now I want to go way, way back to when we like, First fell in love. First fell in love. Not, you know, as, not sisters. as sisters, but as, you know. <laughs> um, and so then it was kind of about, you know, this relationship from years ago that you're kind of trying to like come to terms with. And the fact that if everything had maybe played out differently, you'd end up maybe marrying this person and you'd have this life together and you, mm-hmm. and you really don't. And you kind of want to just start over from the beginning. And you're remembering all these these little memories from, you know, going and visiting at the beach and at the lake and it's summertime and you're laughing and you're, you're just, you're reliving all those moments and you don't have them anymore. And, um, and I, I think that the lyric that uh, I'm really proud of on that song is a verse lyric, but I, there's also a chorus lyric too. Um, and we were just really, this song was such a struggle. It was the last song that we wrote, which is probably why it's a deluxe track and it didn't make the album was because we were just like, oh, this song. Um, we were a little fed up with it. And but, it, but, but it's funny now I like it again. Yeah, like, yeah, I do too. And I think it'll actually perform really well live. Yeah. Um, but I think the chorus lyric that I really love is, it says, um, the, the end of the, the, the lyric goes, you know, Jesus Christ, I could have been your wife. Um, which I think is is just really great. And I, I definitely think that there's um, so many instances for people in, in their life where they could be like, that's so weird. If that one thing had happened, maybe we would have actually stayed together mm-hmm. or we'd be together right now. And then there's also this line in the verse. Thanks, baby. <laughs> no. Um, Bix. Hey, no. Hey. Hey. No. Yeah. Sorry, I totally expected mine to just bark, and he did. Are- like norm- normally, he's like really like as soon as anybody moves. So in hey. fact, when he didn't oh. bark, when he hey. heard like a door outside, I was like, "Oh shit, is he okay?" Oh, that's, <laughs> that's funny. so funny. Yeah, he's our canyon guard dog. Um, and then uh, I think the verse those weekends on the beach. No, oh yeah, those weekends on the beach made um, me feel made ugly. Me feel ugly. But which- now all all I can see is how you loved me. Yeah. Which I love. Like, who feels sexy at the beach? I feel ugly at the beach all the time. I'm always like pale. I don't look great. Yeah, like, I feel like a whale. But and you're <laughs> like, okay. But then you're with someone that just loves you no matter what. And makes what. you feel loved still. And yeah, I don't know. I just really like the sentiment of that. So ours is the same. We're very. We're, I, knew, I knew it would we're, be. We're very. No. <laughs> hey, sorry. He's all right. He's guarding the house, dude. That's fine. You know. This it's the it's the gardeners. Okay. It's the gardeners. Oh, honey. What kind of dog is he? Go in your little house. He's a mutt. He's, what is he predominantly, Al? I mean, he's predominantly a lab and a Sharpay and a, <laughs> and a Cocker Spaniel. That's right. Although he doesn't look like really any of those things. He kind of looks like he's like a lab and a pointer. Okay. But he's a very good boy, and he tours with us. He's like our little tour mascot. He's so sweet. Nice. He's, How old? He's um six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He'll be he'll be he'll be six in June. Bixby. So sweet. No, <laughs> no, it's the gardeners. Hey, hey, it's these guys. They like you. No, 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 no,
sweet Humberto. It's Humberto. We like them. They clean our yard. And no, be nice, boy. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry. It's all right. Like I said, mine, mine has barked through so many interviews. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, he just was like, yeah. Well, he was just doing one last week with Shaky Grace that he started barking through. So, I mean, I'm so, you know. <laughs> And the dogs always come first anyway, so that's fine. But we're wrapping up in a minute anyway. But I this love is how many cool people you interview. It makes Allie and I awesome. feel so special we're doing this with you. Very. Mm, no, I was excited to do it. I'm glad it worked out. Um, but it's funny because going back to what you were saying about way, way back and how that song, you know, kind of uh, how difficult it was. Mm-hmm. Does it give you a different approach? I remember talking with, speaking of cool people, Neil Diamond not long ago, and we were talking about I Am, I Said. And he's like, that song almost killed me. He's like, I, he's like, I was going to beat that song or it was going to beat me. You know, it's funny because he says there's a lot of his songs that just came, like, he says Sweet Caroline just came from God. That was so easy, right? But then you take a song like, you know, but then you take a song like I am, I said, he's like, I struggled with that for months. And he's like, one of us was going to die from that song, either me or the song. So for you guys then, it's interesting when you go back and look at a song like Way, Way Back then, you know, now do you have a different appreciation for it? And do you feel like more of a... um, I don't know. Like it's a victory that it was kicking yeah. your ass and you got it. Completely. It, it does feel like a victory. It does feel like the, the funny thing is the, the song, the moment that feels like God on the record is pretty places. It's like, it came really easily. Yeah. Yeah. It's always made sense. It's never really changed much. It kind of went through some lyric changes, but it's always really been the that. integrity of the song was like, and then you have there. a song like way, way back where you're like, Oh gosh, thank God we beat each other up over it. Like, yeah. Or the song beat us up, but like it worked. And, and now I do have a lot of appreciation for it. Cause I'm really proud of the adjustments we made. Yeah. Um, so it just shows perseverance that like you can appreciate, a song and know it's great but like how do I make it even better and do you have the patience and the talent and the skill to do that sometimes people just give up on a song that actually could have been wonderful had they just spent time molding mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I'm really proud of us for doing that cool what do you guys want to add I did not ask you about so the record comes out what May May, May what's the reason yeah. Okay, so that's also then obviously the date of the ace show. Yeah, date of the ace show. Yeah, check it out. There's going to be a live stream of the whole performance. Um, AXS is putting it on, and we're really excited. We're doing like a big kind of town hall um, record discussion the next day with our producer Eve Rothman on the eighth. Just like taking questions, talking about the production, the process. We'll be on looped live, so that'll be a cool moment to engage with fans the day after the album comes out. Cool. Anything else you guys want to add I did not ask you about? You asked us about a lot of stuff. No, you covered a lot. This was really fun. I try and be thorough. Although I, sometimes it's not, a, I don't remember Ben Harper telling me he felt like he had been probed. So I was like, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good thing, but yeah. No, we don't feel probed. I think it was the right, you you, you nailed it. You hit the right amount of talking. Yeah, points. you did. Cool. Thanks. It was a pleasure. And yeah, hey. hopefully, you know, it's funny because obviously I'll get to check out the uh, A show live stream, but hopefully by, fall. oh, all right. One word answer for each of you. In the fall, you can tour, right? We're getting to that point. Who's yeah. the dream artist to tour with? Who's that one person that you feel like not only would it be awesome to, you know, it'd be a good match audience-wise, but that you just feel like you'd have a blast watching them from the side of the stage every night? Oh, wow. Wow. Um, okay, hold on. Let me think. That would make sense. I mean, I would kind of love for us to tour with they would never probably have us but 1975 mm, okay that's a good match yeah, yeah. that works. no don't say that they could totally have we us. have we have the same kind of i think fans fan base yeah different records, and they're not but completely in like one genre space which i think is cool and i think we kind of float in that as well i'm gonna say beck i like it it's it's a real reach 
<laughs> but that's what the industry is all about. Just really reaching. I like it. All right, cool. You guys, thanks so much. I appreciate the time. Have a good one. Thanks, thanks so much. Bye, Bye. Steve. Bye. 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 Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been tuned into My Turning Point with special guests Allie and AJ. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.